Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. We're glad that you're, that you're here, those of you who are in the room with me, and uh, all of you who are joining us online. Uh, it's a shame that we can't be together in the room right now, but we're doing our best to keep you safe and to keep you connected. So we like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Thank you. Uh, we do believe that the Lord meets us right where we are, uh, right where you are right now. The Lord is with you. The Lord is present and, uh, and wants to meet us and connect with us as we worship him. Let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. Oh, thank you, God, for the love that you have shown us that we uh, know is, is with us today, right now. This love that is greater than we can wrap our heads around. It's, it's too big for us, God. Nothing can separate us from your love, and for that we are so, so grateful. God, you know that some of us right now are, are desperate to experience that. We need that reassurance that your love is with us. So God, I pray that right now, those that are feeling that, uh, that need for this, God, I pray that they would sense the arms of their loving Heavenly Father wrapped around them. That they would sense your presence and your peace. That you would be gracious and good to them, God. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for those words of Scripture <clears throat> that tell us that no matter what happens, that you are with us. You don't give up on us. You are faithful and true. And for that, God, we are so, so grateful. God, you know just how tired some of us are. Tired of all the junk. Uh, tired of the, of the coronavirus stuff. Tired of uh, contentious relationships. Tired. Just tired, God. Please, today, as we reach out to you, as you meet us here. May we be strengthened by your grace, by your love. May we be renewed in our spirits, renewed in our strength, because our hope, our trust, our faith is in you, God. When we run out of our own resources, when we run out of our energy, when we run out of our optimism, when we run out of our ability to keep putting one foot in front of the other, God, would you be there to take us by the hand to lead us forward, to give us rest, to give us strength, to give us hope. Thank you, God. Thank you for the great hope that we have in you. Thank you again for this, uh, this Advent season that reminds us that you have entered into our broken reality. You have met us right where we are. You have dealt the, the death blow to sin and death and the devil. And here we are as your people living in this time in between your, your first coming, Lord Jesus, and your second coming. And we continue to look forward to the ways that you are going to show up in our lives, the ways that you ultimately are going to show up and make everything right. But even now, God, even now you show up, you, you make your presence known to us, you, you intervene, you step in, and we thank you for that. Thank you, God, that today, right now, can be one of those moments as we open our hearts to you. As we open our minds to you, we encounter you, God, your grace, your love. We see this on display so clearly in Jesus Christ. 
So it's in his name that we offer this prayer. Amen. Amen. Uh, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you, thank you. Um, I want to thank again the, the Svalbar family for leading us in music this morning. Um, thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a real gift to us, the, the Svalbars, the High Saws, the others of us. I know uh, we're going to have Pete and Amanda back in January uh, to lead us and, um, and look forward uh, to having others leading us again, the, the Andersons, once we're on the other side of all this and they can be in the room and they feel comfortable with that. Uh, we are so thankful for all of you who bless us with your gifts, with who you are, uh, with all that God has given you, and then you share that with others. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, uh, before we get to announcements and all that good stuff, Pastor Judy is going to come and is going to uh, lead us in lighting the Advent candles. The second week of Advent is a prayer for peace. In a world deeply divided, Christ is our peace. He breaks down every dividing wall. In a world filled with hostility and hatred, Christ, Christ is our, is our peace. peace. He, he teaches, teaches us to, to love, love our enemies. In a world of war where violence never ends, Christ, Christ is, is our peace. peace. He, he invites, invites us to take, to take up, up our cross and follow him. him. A shoot will grow up from the stump of Jesse. A branch will sprout from his roots. The, the Lord's, Lord's Spirit will rest, rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding. Righteousness will be the belt around his hips, and faithfulness the belt around his waist. The wolf, the wolf will live, live with the lamb, and the, and the leopard, leopard will lie down with the young goat, and a little child will lead them. They won't harm or destroy anywhere on my holy mountain. The earth will surely be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, just as the water covers the sea. Let earth receive her king. Thank you so much, Pastor Judy. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to meet Judy yet, um, I look forward to the day when you get to, to encounter her, to have a phone call with her, to, um, to have coffee with her. Someday we will be able to have coffee with each other again. That'll be a good day. I'm going to celebrate that one. Um, sorry, let me move that out of the way a little bit. All right. Um, Oh, just by way of announcements, if you haven't already, there's a, there's a little uh, connect card, a digital connect card at livinghope.info slash connect. We would love for you to, to take a moment to click that, to fill that out. Let us know you worshiped with us. Let us know how we can be um, celebrating with you today or praying for you today. Uh, just share any of that kind of stuff. And um, that's one way for you to stay connected with us. Of course, if you want to give today, you can do that, livinghope.info slash give. takes you right to that giving page. And uh, thank you to all of you who have been so generous and continued to support the work that God is doing through this church, both here and around the world. Uh, one opportunity for you to give uh, that we do every December is this uh, Warm a Home tree. Um, which you can just give to the Good Neighbor Fund if you want. If you go to uh, that Give page, that online giving page, and just click on the drop-down, go to Good Neighbor Fund, because that's where this warm a home thing goes. Every, every December, this is a little weird, all right? So usually in December, we've got the whole place decked out for Christmas, and one of our decorations is a Christmas tree out in the foyer that you walk past on your way in, on your way out, and, uh, and uh, on that tree are some little ornaments uh, that are invitations to give to First Contact. It's a Christian resource and referral ministry here in Valparaiso. They work with, and in Portage, and I think they've got another location, I forget, but uh, we're here in Valparaiso, so I'm always referring people to their office. They work with the trustee. Uh, they, they combine resources from several churches so that when I get a call from someone saying, do you help people with rent? Do you help people with um, 
you know, keeping your utilities on? Do you help people with these sorts of things? If they're part of our church, we have resources from what we've called the Acts 4 Fund. Um, takes from Acts chapter 4 where people gave resources to the apostles and they gave, distributed it to people as they had need. So we've got that. And you guys have been generous for that uh, to meet the needs of the folks here in our church community. But the wider community, when people call and have, have needs, sometimes, you know, if I've got 5 or 20 bucks in my pocket, I'll go ahead and just give that to them. But, uh, but in terms of more help and more resources, uh, rather than them having to go from church to church to church, um, somebody years ago, 20 plus years ago, started this first contact ministry where people can just go there as their first contact and, uh, and get help that is combined from several churches. And so if you want to give to that, to help some of your neighbors keep their homes warm this winter, uh, they always, uh, this time of year, end up helping quite a bit with uh, rent and utility requests. They also help with requests for help with medication and other things. Uh, but if you want to give to that, again, you can just go to that Give page and click the drop down for, um, for Good Neighbor, and that will go help us be good neighbors uh, to our neighbors here in the Valparaiso area and here in Porter County. Oh, I don't have a slide or anything for this one, but I, uh, I got to be on a little call yesterday uh, with folks from Habitat for Humanity, and we were looking at uh, the difference that you, that we as a church, are getting to make uh, in the coming year with a, a home that's being built. Uh, we had hoped that by the end of this year, we would uh, collectively raise $6,000. We had someone else in the church willing to match up to $6,000, um, and, uh, and so that was kind of a motivator for us. Well, you guys then blew it out of the water. I mean, we ended up giving uh, just over $7,000 as a church, which then had that $6,000 added to it uh, to make thirteen. And then Thrivent Financial is matching all of those gifts. So uh, with the match, you, as Living Hope Community Church, gave $26,000 to this new home that's being built uh, and is going to be sold with all the, all the details. It was really cool to hear all the details of how Habitat works with these families uh, as they come alongside them to help them actually own a home and purchase a home that they get to then have for the, you know, uh, a legacy. Um, and uh, anyway, I just wanted to let you know, we've been, I've been talking about, hey, you know, we're trying to raise 6000 and hey, we hit 7000 but it sounds a little different when I hear like, hey, together we raised $26,000. And uh, Sam Fisher, who's a part of our church and also serves on the board with uh, Porter County Habitat for Humanity, she said that uh, of this faith build where churches come together to help build these things, our church jumped to the top of the list. We are the, the biggest givers uh, toward this faith build, which makes me pretty proud to be your pastor. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways that uh, our church uh, is not like number one on people's lists, you know. Uh, we're a smaller church, you know, we don't have all the resources of some of those big churches. But in this case, in, in the situation of generosity, in this opportunity to give, you guys are number one. And uh, it makes me proud to be your pastor and to get to, to be a part of this church. So I wanted you guys to hear that. And of course, you can continue to give to the Mission Church in Hammond. Uh, they're thrilled with all the assistance that we've given so far and that all the, the churches of the Nazarene in Northwest Indiana have given to help them fully finally launch to overcome some of the facilities hurdles that they've had. Um, and you can still give to that if you want. I know some of you have been just kind of making that a regular part of your uh, monthly giving is to give a little bit to the mission church. And uh, thank you for that. It's good to, to not be in this uh, just as individual little churches, but it's good to be, uh, to be together in all of this. All right. <clears throat> Enough of announcements. On to the message. This week we're talking about peace. And uh, some of you might know Oh, I'll start with an apology once again. I don't have any of the scriptures on the screen. I'm sorry. Um, that was my failure. Um, some of you might know that each week there are four scripture readings that are given to us. And if you go to some churches, uh, like if you walk into a Lutheran church today or a Roman Catholic church today, uh, you're probably going to hear uh, three or four of those readings read publicly. And we usually don't do that here. We usually maybe just pick one and focus in on that. Um, but... Um, 
if you have those little Advent devotionals, the Let Earth Receive Her King, if you received one of those and if you've been following along with that, then you'll see on every Sunday they list here are the four readings uh, that the church around the world is looking at today. And then, uh, and then uh, Scott Daniels, the pastor who wrote that devotional, he focuses in on, on one of those, and that's usually what we do. But today I wanted to just touch on all four uh, before kind of settling in a little bit uh, because it helps me at least to see this theme of peace kind of uh, emerge out of these. Um, Usually there's a psalm, uh, there's something from the book of Psalms, there's something from one of the prophets, there's something from one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then something from one of the letters uh, that we have. And we have that, have that today. Uh, psalm 85 uh, touches directly on the theme of peace. In verse 8, uh, it says, I will listen to what, the, what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants. He promises peace to his people. It says, surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. A couple of verses later, the Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So there's the, the promise of peace that God gives to those who are faithful to him, uh, who don't turn away from him, those who continue to trust him. Uh, he promises that peace will come and righteousness and peace will, will kiss. It's an unusual image there. Um, and it moves on to say, look, God is going to give what is good. He is going to um, provide for his people. It connects with that theme of hope from last week, looking forward to God showing up, breaking in, bringing his, his salvation, his rescue, providing for his people. That last verse Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his people, or prepares the way for his steps, sorry. Uh, reminds us that Advent is this season of preparation, of anticipation, of waiting, uh, watching for God to show up and act. We remember God showing up in Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago, and much of this season, you know, centered around that, obviously, the celebration of Christmas and the arrival of Jesus Christ. But the Advent season also is this looking forward to Christ's coming again and finally making all things right, making all things new. So this theme of preparing the way is repeated in most of our readings today. Uh, this, again, Psalm 85 says, Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. So somehow righteousness, living rightly, living in the way of justice, is, is preparing the way for God's arrival. Uh, we hear that something similar in Isaiah chapter 40, which starts out with words that you may have heard. Uh, actually, I think we saw this in the devotional this last week. Comfort, comfort my people says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Her sin has been paid for. She's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is this imagery of like, okay, we're preparing the way for God. We're making a straight path for God to show up. We're going to clear out anything that might be in the way. Uh, the, the, we're going to, if you've ever traveled uh, on like our interstate highway system uh, to different parts of the United States that are hillier than where we live or mountainous, uh, you've seen this happen, right? You've seen that like, oh, to get this road or this railroad track or whatever it is to be a little more level, they had to like take out a chunk of mountain, or they had to raise up a bit of valley here to, to make this not quite so treacherous. And it's kind of that kind of a picture. Like, we're trying to make this a, a smooth path for God to show up, and, uh, and we're looking forward to God showing up and his glory being revealed and all people seeing it. 
Uh, it continues, uh, there's, there's language of, of us being, being faithless and God being, being faithful. Um, and then in verse 9 it says, You who bring good news to Zion, to Jerusalem, to God's people, go up on a high mountain. Uh, don't be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Again, language of God arriving. And when he arrives, he has rewards. He, has he is, is going to make things right. He, is going to, he has seen what has taken place and he is showing up to reward the righteous and to not reward the, the wicked, um, to bring punishment, to put a stop to wickedness. When God shows up, things change. When God shows up, justice prevails. Uh, this bit of Isaiah uh, is quoted in Mark's gospel, chapter 1. That's our gospel reading today. It comes from, from Mark, uh, which starts his story of Jesus' life by mentioning John the Baptist. Uh, Mark is, uh, the, is the shortest of those four gospels, the most succinct. And so if you're ever like, well, I'd like to read the story of Jesus, but I don't have a lot of time, read Mark's gospel, all right? You'll get through it much more quickly than if you read Matthew or Luke or John. Uh, so he just says at the beginning, he says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it's written in Isaiah the prophet, I'll send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. So he's, he's quoting right from, uh, from Isaiah chapter 40 there. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. He's saying, okay, God is coming, and we're going to prepare the way for him by clearing out anything that might you know, get in his way, including our stubbornness, including our sin. He's calling people to repent, to turn to God, to have their sins forgiven, to begin to live for God and not for themselves. This Again, to go back to Psalm 85, righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. And so John the Baptist shows up saying, look, we have not been living right. We have not been doing what we're supposed to do. And so if we want God to show up, if we want to speed his coming, we want to, we want to repent. We want to turn. God is coming. And before he shows up, we better get right. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's what he's saying. He's calling people to repent, to have their sins forgiven. He's not just blasting people like sometimes happens today. You know, you point at them and say, they're the reason we have this problem or, or they're, the, they're the cause of all of our ills. Um, he's not just like writing anyone off. He's saying, look, we, need to, we all need to confess. We all need to have our sins forgiven. So let's turn to God because God is coming. And then he points to Jesus. Um, verses uh, 7 and 8, he says, after, it says, this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. It's like, I'm not even, I'm not even, I don't even deserve to touch his feet. I baptize you with water, but he'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John's saying, look, I can pour some water over your head, or I can dunk you in the water. I can, I can do this symbolic act of, uh, of your sins being washed away. But he's going to pour the Holy Spirit out on you. He's going he's to immerse you in the life of God, the power of God. It's, it's more than I can do. All I can do is be a messenger and point the way and say, he's coming. And Mark says this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. That, that, that's talking about Jesus being the king. That word Messiah means the anointed one. He's the, he's the king, and he comes proclaiming the good news of God's kingdom, that God is asserting his authority and his rule once again here in our broken world, that he's going to take what has been turned upside down by sin and he's going to turn it right side up again. Uh, there's a um, Bible scholar that I greatly admire, um, N.T. Wright, that uh, he drives this point home by translating where he sees like Jesus the Messiah, he just translates that as King Jesus. 
You know, so this is the beginning of the good news about King Jesus, the Son of God. We uh, have the opportunity, as King Jesus is arriving on the scene, we talked about this last week, I guess, didn't we? Let every heart prepare in room. Um, let earth receive her king. I mean, this is the title of the devotional guide that we're using uh, this Advent season. Uh, that's where this is, that's, where this is uh, that's what this is talking about right here. Jesus is proclaiming the kingdom of God, and we have the opportunity to uh, acknowledge God as king, to give him our allegiance, our trust, to live as citizens of God's kingdom, which is already breaking in, but hasn't yet been fully established, fully realized. This is, uh, this is what we were crying out for last week, you know, with Isaiah crying out, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. You know, would you show up? God, would you be king? Would you come and make things right? We looked last week at how we lament the brokenness of our world, the brokenness of our lives, that, that we're pleading with God to show up to make things right. This, this leads us to acknowledge our part of the problem, and we confess our sins. We confess uh, our need of his forgiveness, of his help. And when we've run out of things to say, we're reminded that God is our Father who loves us, that he is the potter, we're the clay. He's using our present difficulties to make something beautiful out of our lives. We remember that we're his people, that he cares for us and hasn't given up on us. So we cry out. We prepare the way. But then God doesn't always show up right away, does he? <laughs> I mean, sometimes he takes a while. I mean, it's been, what, 2,000 years or so now that we have been preparing the way and anticipating Christ's return and, and hasn't happened yet. You know, the earliest Christians thought that he'd be returning right away. And when he didn't, some of them began to get discouraged, just like we do when God doesn't break in and change things for us as quickly as we would like. And that's where our last reading from 2 Peter comes in. This is a letter that, that Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, that he wrote to early Christians who were struggling with this. Uh, he says, starting in chapter 3, verse 8, he says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's saying, look, God sees a, a much bigger picture. He can see things on a scale that we can't even imagine, you know, where to us, you know, a day might seem like it stretches on forever. If you've got some unpleasant work you've got to do or you're, you're stuck listening to a boring pastor or something, a day might seem like it gets really long, but, but not a thousand years, you know. He's saying, like, look, when God looks at the scope of history, I mean, he, he's looking at the big, big picture. And so don't be discouraged that God hasn't, you know, shown up yet, that Jesus hasn't returned yet. He says he's not being slow. He's not being forgetful. He is going to keep his promise, but he is being patient. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants everyone to be ready so that when he shows up on the scene, uh, he doesn't have to you know, smash us. You know, we're not on the, on the wrong side of things when he shows up. He wants us to repent first, to be ready for his arrival. But he continues, verse 10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. Now, this sounds like, like he's just wiping everything out. In fact, the very next words are, since everything will be destroyed in this way, um, 
but the language isn't really language of like destruction, like he's taking this earth and crumpling it up and tossing it in the fire and just you know, like, I'm just going to make a new one. You know, that's not how God operates throughout the story of the Bible. Instead, what seems to be happening, um, remember it said everything done in the earth will be laid bare. It's got this picture, again, of like God in his heavens, in the heavenly throne room, and here we are on the earth, and it's like saying, look, anything that might be in between us and God, he's just going to wipe all that away. All right, anything, the, the heavens, the earth, all that stuff, he's just like, oh, phew, get rid of that. And it's just a direct line of sight, God to you, God to me. And suddenly we are confronted with the fact that God sees everything. He sees right through our pretense. He sees right through all of our facades, the masks that we wear, not the, the mask for you know, protecting others, but you know, the, the, the pretense, the, the person we pretend to be. He sees through all of that right to who we really are, which can be pretty distressing. <laughs> We put a lot of energy into the masks that we build and the, the personas that we create, that we present to the world around us. We try really hard to present a good image to others. And, and some of you are really good at that. I mean, we look at your social media feed and, and it's like your life is good. I mean, you, you're doing really well. And we've, we've recognized, right, that that's not real. Right? I, think, I think we've all recognized that. I mean, people have done studies about how like, social media um, usage as, especially as young people, as they use it more, uh, experience more depression because they see all their friends, the, the people around them, and they say, well, their life looks so good. My life doesn't look like that. It's just like some of us this time of year, we compare our Thanksgiving celebrations or our Christmas gatherings to what we see on the Hallmark movie or what we see on the Norman Rockwell painting or on the, on the Hallmark card, and we just think, my life doesn't look like that. Some of you are really good. I just got a couple of the cards this week uh, from family members who do that whole thing where they, you know, they get all the pictures taken and they put it all together and they mail it out and everything. And, or they put a Christmas letter together and talk about all the amazing things that got, they got to do this year, the trips they got to take, and, and how good their kids are doing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know if you're on any of those lists. We, we don't send those out. We figure if you like us, you're already seeing all that on Facebook anyway. So, um, but I've gotten some of that from some family members and, and other people uh, this, this past week. And, you know, we see that stuff and we think, oh, my, my life isn't like that. And I don't think my family members are being fake at all. If you're watching, I, we love you and we love getting those. We love getting to see the pictures of, of you and our cousins and all the rest. Um, but, um, but, you know, that social media, the, 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 the picture of ourselves we present to the world doesn't necessarily accurately represent all that's going on. Well, that's right. I mean, we're, we're pretty unlikely, most of us, to put our pain, our grief, our hurt, our anxiety right out there uh, for everyone to see and to poke at and to mock, which is sadly often what happens to judge. If you put that out there uh, on social media, that doesn't necessarily go well. And so we get very good at presenting a, a persona that, uh, that says, well, this is who I want to be perceived as. And the picture here is, look, God sees through all of that. And someday all that pretense will just be wiped away and there will be no uh, escaping the fact that God sees right through it all and he sees you. Now the reality is he sees through all that right now. I mean, God, God isn't fooled by our uh, pretense. But this experience of judgment, is like the entire world is going to experience this. When God shows up, the mountains will shake. And like we looked at last week, you know, all the nations will, will see who God is and we will all be confronted with where our lives line up or don't with what God expects of us. 
with the kinds of people he created us to be and, and what have we done with the lives he's given us. Everything will be laid bare. And so that's why in verse 11 he says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? What kinds of people should we be in this world knowing that God is coming to, to judge, knowing that, that God is coming and is going to show up on the scene, that one day all our prayers will be answered and God will show up. What kind of people ought we to be in the meantime? He says, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. Now, I'm not sure what we can actually do to hurry up God's time frame. I'm not sure there is anything we can do. But that speeding his coming reminds me of those other passages talking about preparing the way. You know, let's make a straight path for him. Let's get our sin out of his way. You know, let's, let's make sure that we're not a stumbling block. Let's make sure that we are welcoming him and eagerly anticipating the arrival of our king. Let's give him our allegiance. Let's live our lives for him. Let's live as his kingdom people. Living holy and godly lives. Lives that reflect his goodness and grace to the world around us. Worlds that are, that are completely, uh, lives that are completely devoted to him. And as we do that, we've, we talked about this a couple of months ago. As we open our lives to him, God makes us holy. He sanctifies us, purifies us. He, he by his Holy Spirit, Working in our lives, he turns us into saints, into holy people. Lives that are marked by love of God with all that we are and, and love loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's what it means to live a holy and godly life. As we look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. This, is not a, uh, this talk of God's judgment should not be something that makes us fearful. This should be something that we are looking forward to. It says, that day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire. The elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. A new way of living where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, he says, look, you're looking forward to God coming and making things right. You're on God's side. You have, you have come to him and confessed your sins. He has forgiven you. He has embraced you as his kids. He has given you the, the he has stamped you as his citizens. You know, he's given you the passport. You, know, you, you belong to the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And when he comes and establishes that here where we live, we, we look forward to that. He says, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. I think um, one reason that we hear talk of judgment and, and justice and all of that in kind of a scary way sometimes is because we're not exactly sure how things are going to shake out for us when God comes and makes all things right. Have I been siding with the oppressors in putting others down? Have I been on the side of God lifting people up? You know, does my life measure up to the life that God uh, expects of me, the life he created me to live? I think it's a little easier to hear these words with, with hope uh, if we were in the situation that these early Christians were in. They didn't have a lot of power. They didn't get to cast a, ballot, cast a vote and, and cast a ballot for who they wanted to be in charge of their country or their state or their town. Uh, they didn't have any of that. And many of them were downtrodden. Many of them were um, kind of economically uh, oppressed or sidelined. Some of them were experiencing all kinds of hardship. 
they were the ones crying out to God, please, would you, would you set things right? And so when God shows up as king and makes things right, they're anticipating that they will be lifted up. I think for some of us, it's harder to, for us to put ourselves in that mindset because we here in the United States of America, most of us, we're doing quite well. You know, even in times of pandemic, even in times of difficulty, I know this has hit some of us very, very hard, but others, like, you've kept your employment. You've, you've, you've done well. And, and some of us, I was just hearing the other day, some people are actually better off economically now because they can't go waste their money like they might have otherwise. You know, you just can't go out and do a lot of the things you might have otherwise done. And so all of a sudden, you have more money than you're accustomed to having. And, uh, you know, what do we do with that then? How are we responsible with what God has entrusted us with? Now, I know that's not the case for everybody in our church even, and definitely not for all of our, all of our neighbors. Um, We've got some folks in our church who are crying out right now, you know, and I, I won't go into details of any of their situations, um, but we've got folks who are very eagerly saying, please, God, would you show up? Please, would you make things right? Uh, this um, Advent candle reading that we did earlier, um, half of it comes from the prophet Isaiah from chapter 11 where it mentions in, chapter, in verse 1, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. This is a reference to King David's dad, Jesse. Um, he's saying that even though the royal line of Israel's kings has been cut off, leaving only a stump, it's not dead. There's going to be a shoot that, that comes up from it. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Uh, he says later, um, says he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy with justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. And he's not saying he's going to condemn the needy. He says he's going to provide justice for the needy. He will give decisions for the poor of the earth. Some of you have had dealings with the criminal justice system. And you know that it feels like it's stacked against those who have no resources. You know, the people with money can hire the better attorney and can, and can you know, find their way around all the, uh, maneuver their way around the, the legal system. And uh, we see some of that, you know, on the news and as we read about uh, well, stuff we don't need to get into. But some of you have experienced that personally. And it was, whatever we experienced here, it was so much worse for people back then for whom uh, bribery was just flat out common. And, uh, you know, justice, it was very easy for justice to be perverted and for the poor not to get um, a fair judgment as they came for help to those who could help them. And he's saying, look, there's going to come someday a descendant of King David who's going to continue David's royal rule. And with righteousness, he will judge and bring justice for the needy, for the poor. He says, righteousness will be his belt, faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, and a little child will lead them. It's this language of like, violence will finally be put to an end. Which, if you're a perpetrator of violence, is bad news. If you're a victim of violence, is very, very good news. He uses, like, just uh, um, extravagant, um, I'm going to say imaginative language of, like, even uh, cows will feed with bears and lions will eat straw like the ox. You know, infants will play near a cobra's den and put their hand in a viper's nest. Like, like even all of nature will be overwhelmed by this, the absence of violence and the presence of God's peace, the presence of his shalom, of his wholeness. It says, they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Like, 
the whole earth, everyone on earth will know God, will know his peace, will know his love, will have their lives changed by him, and will live in a way that, that does not destroy, that does not do violence, but that provides for the needy, that, that, that cares for others. Instead of living life for me and mine, which is the root of so much of the violence that takes place, instead we will look with love on the people around us. And this is what we are already getting to be a part of as God's people, as his kingdom people, living these holy and godly lives. Um, we get to live lives that reflect his grace, reflect his love. We get to be, to be peacemakers. We get to bring peace. You know, that, that idea of being at peace appeared again at the end of that reading from Second Peter. You know, that we're to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. You know, Jesus arrives on the scene as the Prince of Peace. The angels, uh, when, he was, uh, when they were announcing his birth, they proclaimed peace on earth, goodwill toward those people on whom God's favor rests. Jesus came and taught that the, those who are peacemakers are blessed by God. We get to experience God's peace and even anticipate his arrival with a sense of peace. You know, that, that hope that looks forward to God's arrival and making things right doesn't need to fill us with fear. It can fill us with a sense of peace, knowing that, okay, what I'm going through now is difficult, but God's on his way. I can have peace knowing that God sees and God knows, that God hears, that God is going to bring beauty out of this, that God is going to make things right. And so I can experience peace even here and now in the midst of difficult circumstances. That's one of the things that it looks like to be his kingdom people. I can experience his peace and I can be an agent of his peace. I can be a peacemaker, one that goes into places of violence, uh, whether it's just verbal violence or physical violence or whatever. We can go into those places and bring peace. We can be gracious to those who are not gracious toward us. We can love our enemies. We can be peacemakers. The world needs us to do this right now. As we live in this, this time in between where his kingdom has already come and been announced in Jesus Christ, but it hasn't yet been fully established, if we are going to live as a kingdom people, we will be a people who experience his peace and display that peace and bring that peace to the people around us. Uh, I hope that you will follow along. I've, I've heard back from some of you uh, about the, uh, the Advent book that we gave to all of you who are regular attenders here. And again, if you didn't receive one of those, please let us know. Um, Probably the fastest way for you to get it now would just be to order it yourself on Amazon. But, um, but um, I've, I've really uh, been encouraged by hearing so many of you let us know that you've really been finding that helpful. That each day, reading that, just that page or two, uh, the scripture, the, the thoughts, um, that that has really been helpful. And as you look ahead at this week, if this whole idea of like, oh man, having peace, I'm not sure how I'm going to have peace now, in the here and now. Uh, Rich, I'm not sure how any of this is going to work for me. I encourage you, read this week every day as a different aspect of God's peace and how it connects with our lives and how it meets us here where we live. Right now we have an opportunity to, to celebrate um, with the celebration of communion. Uh, let's bow our heads and let's pray before we do this. God, thank you. You have broken into our world in Jesus Christ, your son, King Jesus announcing that you are our Heavenly Father, announcing that you, you do love us and you have not overlooked us, that you are making things right. And we saw that demonstrated in his life, in his ministry, and even in his death and resurrection. We saw, God, that sin does not have the final say. Death doesn't have the final say. You and your love 
and your grace, you have the final say. Your life is stronger even than death. And this awareness, God, that, that you are coming, that you are king, God, this does reassure us. This does help us to live with a sense of, of peace, of, a sense of confidence in the midst of a troubled world. I pray, God, that we as your kids, that we as, as your kingdom people, I pray that this peace would emanate from us. That as we do life around other people, some of whom are very afraid, uh, some of whom are very angry, uh, with all that's going on, God, that we can live in this world as people who are not afraid, as people who are not angry, as people who are not raising the, the temperature of every conversation that we walk into, but instead as people who are coming and bringing peace because we have confidence in you. Help us, God, to live in such a way that we um, are aware that when you show up in this world, when you show up to make things right, that we have already been living the way you would have us to live. We are already um, saying yes to your Holy Spirit. We are already being guided by you, with our lives changed by you. God, you know that for some of us right now, just the thought of you coming and bringing judgment has made us antsy, has made us anxious. Um, God, that is, I believe that is you at work in our hearts telling us that we might need to make some things right. So today, God, as you bring to mind those aspects of our lives where, where we have not been lined up with you and with your expectations of us, where we have not been living lives of, of grace and goodness and peace and love, God, as you bring those to mind, would you help us to repent? Would you help us to confess, just to agree with you? You're right, God. That is not the way it's supposed to be. I should not be engaging in that. I should not be thinking in that way. I should not be doing, living like that, watching that, whatever it might be. God, I, my life needs to change there. Would you help us, God, to agree with you, to confess, to admit our need of your help, our need of your forgiveness? And as we do this, as we turn from a life that just does whatever we want, and we turn to a life that acknowledges that you are king, God, would you forgive our sins today? Help us to experience your grace. And, and with it, that joy and peace that comes with knowing that we are right with you. Thank you, God, that you invite us to no longer be a, a part of the problem, but we can be a part of your solution, a part of your grand plan to redeem and to restore, to lift up, to make new. Thank you, God. Thank you for the opportunity we have in, in just a few minutes to celebrate communion together. Uh, to in this, this small physical act, remember and reenact your gift of love that you've given us in Jesus Christ. We offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. and We pray that by your Spirit's presence with us, meeting us right where we are, that we might meet you, Lord Jesus, our crucified and risen Savior, the Prince of peace. We offer ourselves to you, praying that you would pour out your Holy Spirit, praying that you would transform our hearts, our minds, our lives, that we might live in this world as your people, as the body of Christ. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to celebrate communion together. If you, if you uh, want to participate and uh, you haven't already, I encourage you to use this moment to gather together some bread, some juice, uh, or the closest equivalent. And, uh, and we will celebrate communion. Uh, on the night that Jesus uh, was betrayed, he um, was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, celebrating God's amazing rescue of his people from slavery in Egypt and, and reimagining it uh, as a meal celebrating what God was doing to rescue his people from sin. Through himself, He took the bread and, and he gave thanks for it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and eat the bread. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and said, um, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement, the new covenant between God and humanity. When you drink this, do it in remembrance of me. Let's take and drink. We do remember, Lord Jesus, and we give you thanks for the amazing love that you have shown us. Thank you for winning the victory over sin and death and setting us free. Today, as you fill us with your spirit, would you also fill us with your peace? Help us to know that you love us. As we turn from sin and we turn toward you, help us to experience your grace, your forgiveness that the weight of that, the the guilt, the shame, all that stuff, God, that that would no longer define us or weigh us down or hold us back, but instead we can run free, anticipating that we have cleared the path for a relationship with you. Thank you, God. Thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the peace that you bring. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I like to leave us with this blessing before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.